Get up on your feet if you would. Come on. If you love your pastors, get up on your feet and give the biggest applause you know how to this morning. If you love your pastors, come on, get up on your feet. If you're happy and you know it, get your hands together. Let them know that you love them, you appreciate them. Come on. That's not quite good enough. Let's get our hands together a little bit better. A little bit better. A little bit better. If you're country enough, gooder and gooder. Come on, we're not quite done yet. Come on, it's incredible. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Listen closely. You don't stay 22 years anywhere unless you mean it. I just want to know if you know how to say amen. Let's try it one more time. You don't stay anywhere 22 years if you don't mean it. There's, there's a lot of preachers don't stay 22 months, much less 22 years. That's in, extremely intentional. Extremely intentional. I'm grateful for the mercies of God that lets us be together in the house of God this morning. Don't you love the Lord? Don't you love the Lord? Come on, don't you love the Lord? That's why we're here. We're here because we, we love the Lord. I'm going to go pastoral, so if, if, if you're physically able, I want you to stand and join the hand of the person beside you. We're going to pray for Israel this morning right out the gate as we get ready to do a, enter into his presence. The seed of Abraham is in need of God's deliverance today. And we're a people of God that are, are a remnant. Many of us don't have Jewish blood in us, but we were grafted in the vine. And I want you today to lift up your voice. I want you to lift your voice up. I want you to lift your voice. All over this house, begin to ask the Lord for deliverance for on behalf of his people. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for the grace of God that's afforded to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, you have put your hand upon Israel thousands and thousands of years ago. And today, God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, asking you to bring deliverance, bring mercy, bring healing, bring perspective, bring deliverance, and bring help, God. Destroy the enemy that would try to destroy your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. God, Deliver them out of fear. Deliver them out of anger. Deliver them out of hate. Deliver them out of, God, resentment and, 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 and strife and war. God, deliver them today out of certain destruction. Cause the enemies of your people blindness. Cause them to fight one another. God, cause your people to get free. Cause your people to have breakthrough. Cause your people to be protected. Cause your people to be anointed. Cause your people to be saved. Cause your people to be delivered right now. In the name of Jesus, we declare right here from West Virginia, be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be delivered and be set free. God Almighty snatch them out and God Almighty raise them up. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Show yourself as mighty to save. Mighty to save. Mighty to save. Mighty to save. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Look down upon these people and raise them up and raise them up and raise them up with a strong right hand. In the name of Jesus, we ask. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. He delivered me out of all my fears. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. And the Lord heard him. Sought him out, raised him up, delivered him out of all that he was facing. How many knows right now that if you were at war and the enemy was trying to destroy you, you would appreciate people that would seek the Lord on your behalf? I would just seek the Lord on your behalf. You're like, Pastor, I don't know anything about Israel. That's okay. You don't have to know anything about it. 
Just call on the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon his name. Because he's great that way. If our ushers are come today, we're going to celebrate the goodness of God. In fact, I want the pastor and his wife and family to sit down and everybody else to stand up. Because usually it's the opposite. If we even honor them by just letting them sit down this morning, just, just to celebrate them. If our ushers will come, we're going to worship together in a moment of giving. I'd like my, my, my screen to come up on the screen or my slide to come up on the screen if you would. We're going to get into a, a flow of worship and thanksgiving together. I mean, just really appreciate that God has given you a shepherd that wants to be here. God has given you a shepherd that wants to be here. The Word of God is so very pointed. God is the one that is placed in the body. Gifts in the body by the way He chooses Himself. Some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers to equip His people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. If you go on to the next verse, it says, Until we reach the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. Everybody say mature. Come on, say it with me. Mature. I didn't say that you were immature. God says he's doing this so we can become mature. And some of us are becoming mature and mature and more mature. Why? Because God himself has placed his grace in our hearts by giving us a gift. I am like very possessive of the pulpit that God gave me. And if I didn't know your pastor and love your pastor, he would not come to Family Worship Center and preach. I promise you. It's no airball thing. I, I, I'm, I'm selective. I'll, I'd about kick somebody in the face. You're like, you're like, Pastor, you're being very carnal right now. No, I'm, I'm being possessed. I'm, I like, I'm very possessive of the desk of God. Because you don't want to just let anybody jump in a pulpit and, and do whatever they want to do. Because that, that's not okay. You got a pastor that loves God, that seeks God, that calls on God, that searches out the Word of God and won't quit until God comes down. And that's a gift from God Himself. Can you hear me right now? So any type of offering you're going to give, I'm asking you to give as if you are thankful unto God for the gift God gave you. Not that you could pay Him. Are you with me? Not that you could buy Him off. Two nights ago, my wife and I were standing in the hotel room. And I began to make up my envelope for this morning. Because I wanted to be intentional outside this moment of, this, of the offering that I would bring to the Lord on behalf of the friend that God placed in my life. In fact, he was sitting on the state council when I had to give a report one day. And our bishop asked us face to face, he said, Pastor Luke, what do you need from any man on this council right now? I said, I need a friend. And that's one guy right there that took me up on that offer that day. You see, our church at that time, come on, God is good. Our church at that time, our church at that time was about $5 million in debt. And somebody might have thought he was going to ask for an offering. Wasn't asking for an offering, asking for a friend. Because you can't buy friendship. No. Friendship's greater than money. Friendship's far greater than money. It's not about money, it's about the king. And I just thought, you know, if anybody takes me up on that offer that day, I'd walk out of that office. I'd walk out of there rich. I'd walk out of there blessed. I'd walk out of there empowered. Listen to me closely today. One of the greatest offerings that you could give all year long is to the Lord on behalf of your pastor. 
because you're thankful for who God has placed in your life as a gift from God to help you to mature and grow so that as we're going to heaven together, we're not only growing together, we're affecting the world together. Can someone say amen? Come on, get your, get your seed offering together if you would. Get your seed offering together. Could you just, I don't care if you have something in your hand or not, could you just raise your hands to the Lord? You might have a phone that you're giving through this morning. You can click that QR code. You can give online. You can, however that is today, you can give online. I just want you to raise your hands to the Lord. Father, we're here today because we love you. We're here today because we're celebrating you. Father, I'm so thankful for my friends. I'm so thankful, God, that you've placed them here for 22 incredible years. And I believe that you have many more in store for them. And I pray today that the blessings of the Lord would touch every gift, every seed that's about to be given. And that in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would rebuke the devourer that would try to come against this pastor's family in any way. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless Pastor Albert. You bless Pastor Man. You bless their family, Lord God, that you would cause your grace, your mercy, your provision, your favor, your goodness to overtake their life and this church. I pray, God, that they would grow so much in Christ. This church would swell up so much in Christ, not in mind, but in spirit, not just in idea, but in purpose. I pray the power of the Lord would consume them. The glory of God would overtake them. And God, from the, from the earth itself, the word of God would be heard from here and transmitted around the world. And God himself would be glorified. God bless every gift. God bless every giver. Those that are giving online and in their hands. And I declare, Father God, the blessings of the Lord consume your people as we obey you together. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. And every glad heart said amen. God bless you as you are seated. You can give all over the house. Let's celebrate the goodness of the Lord together this morning. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. I'm going to have Pastor Jamie lead this song for just a moment. So if you would stand and get ready to just worship God, maybe just, maybe just for a couple more minutes. Appreciate the grace of God. Appreciate the grace of God. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus To reach out and touch Him And say that we love Him Open Open our ears. 
chapter 32 verse 26 if God gives me grace I'll behave myself this morning if God gives me grace I won't behave myself this morning so we'll just determine later what happened God is good for a little while on exactly what to preach today through a time of fasting and prayer this last week just trying to just be with the Lord in a way that I'm not trying to get something from God but just be with God because in ministry is it's a dangerous trap to just do what you do because you need to do what you do. I've messed that up in my life. I've had to repent, get face down on it. But I believe God has a question for us this morning. And the question is, whose side are you on? You're like, Pastor, that's a bogus, ridiculous question. We're at church on Sunday morning. I understand. He's not only asking you, he's asking me too. Whose side am I on? 
because the king is getting ready to split the eastern sky and he's extremely selective about who he's bringing to his father for eternity and I'm not weird right now but I'm on assignment and I know that God is going to do something in this room this morning so I'm just going to go ahead and tell you if God starts dealing with you to get to the altar today just know I'm already going to be there because I want to make sure that everything inside of me is ready for everything that's inside of him I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel my help already. The Spirit of the Lord is already inside of this place. You're like, Pastor, you can't preach if you don't have everything right. I'm telling you, we live in such a deceived society that you can think you could be just perfectly right. It could be off at the same time. You're like, you've lost your mind. No, no, I've been around a whole lot of people. I've been around a whole lot of people. There's been times I thought I was just as right as I could be and I was just as wrong as I could ever be at the same time. I want you to hear these words from the word of the Lord. Exodus chapter 32 verse 26. Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. One day, Pastor Albert, I was looking at this and I was grieving in my heart because I wished that it was written that all the tribes of Israel gathered themselves. All the tribes of Israel gathered themselves to Moses, but only one tribe was willing. Which means you can sit in the house of God and the congregation of God among the people of God and still make a selection for yourself and not for the king. I know that to be the truth. I've, I've sat in, in services where I was just as selfish and soulish as a person could ever be because I'd already done it too many times, been bit by the flesh and not living by grace through faith. I'm going to read it one more time and we're going to get going. The Word of God says, Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your grace. I'm asking for the anointing to preach. I'm asking for clarity from heaven. I'm asking you to come and consume this house, that whether we be in person or online, that Christ be magnified. I'm asking God that you would save and deliver and heal and set free by your spirit, that you would raise up a holy standard over us and that grace would consume us. And that by God's almighty hand, that you would forgive us and deliver us and heal us and help us God to be on your side and to be everything you've commissioned and positioned us to be in the name of Jesus and that we pray amen and amen maybe seated across the house could you get your hands together one more time to give thanks unto God for he is good for his mercy endures forever it's not a news flash to understand that we're a part of the most self-indulgent generation that's ever been known on earth when there are 6.9 billion iPhones on the earth today that's in circulation, you've got to understand that we're a part of the most self-indulgent generation that has ever touched the planet. Self-indulgence is not a new problem. In fact, the Word of God says in Isaiah chapter 14 that a sin-filled Lucifer says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. 
I will be like the Most High. Five times in two verses, Satan proudly says, I will place myself above God himself. You get inside the first three chapters of the Bible. Isaiah 14 is before the Bible is written. Genesis chapter 1 1 and 2 is earth in perfect form. Chapter 3, a woman saw it a certain way, and as she saw it is how she did it. How she saw it is how she did it. She didn't walk by faith. She lived by sight. And it's been the devil's goal all the way back from Isaiah 14 till right now to make people walk by sight and not live by faith. Can I get a church in here today? I need a real church in here today. I I, I feel the assignment of grace today on this house. Exodus chapter 32, this same eye disease progressed and took hold of God's people. God, by his mighty hand, delivered Israel out of Egypt and and helped them walk past devastating plagues. You see, if you walk through the Red Sea on dry ground and you watch your enemies float behind you, somehow in that your faith should be built and grace should equip your journey. Somehow, God has done so many things for all of us in our lifetime. If we were to just stop and give him praise, just for a tenth of it, our life would be changed forever. And that's the truth. God, by a supernatural power, provided for his people and proved himself faithful and faith-filled to his people. These people were, were experts on testing God. Don't ever think that we are better than the people of the Hebrews coming out of Egypt. Many of us test God on a daily basis. Why? Because when you turn your eyes in on yourself, rather than turning your eyes up on Him, you're testing God. Yes, indeed. Exodus 32 verse 1 says that this man called Moses was up on a mountain having a conversation with God. Much like what your pastor and his wife are doing on a very consistent basis. You can't pastor a church effectively in any town in America and not call on the Lord faithfully and successfully. But the Bible says in Exodus 32 verse 1 that the people of God walked away from God and said, Come, let us make gods that will go before us. As for this man called Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to this guy. And God gets aggravated, wants to kill him, tries to convince Moses, back up and let me smoke him. And no, I'm not talking about salmon or beef jerky. I'm talking about people. God wanted to take somebody out. Exodus 32, verse 5, they said, we're going to build these gods, these, these idol calves, and the people of God walk right into rebellion. Somebody throw me that cell phone on the front row. Don't throw me that I've tested these things to see if they'll work. That one works. Let me see that one right there. I won't throw yours. If I ever throw a cell phone, you know what's amazing to me? is how many. (gasps) Hold on a second. It's amazing to me. I've thrown these things down the middle aisle while preaching revivals, and people are like, (gasps) you know why? Because they're idols. Yeah, 
Don't you think that just because we don't have golden calves sitting around here, we didn't carry some in our back pocket to get in here? Because whatever steals your affection has your heart. When you get your eyes off the king and onto the screen, you find out that, hey, now we don't have idols in our days. You gotta be ever, you gotta be kidding me. That we don't have idols in our day. You have people that will fight you over screen time. People pacify their children with screen time. We're teaching our kids how to walk with the devil and live with an idol before they're ever big enough to memorize John 3.16. You might want to get that thing in your hands because I don't need it in mine. Pastor, you've lost your mind. Well, I'll be done here a little bit and you can do whatever you need to do. Moses makes a humongous statement. Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. Whoever, whoever, whoever. We're in a generation right now where it needs to be said over loudspeakers across cities, inside of counties, up hollers. It needs to be said across megaphones. It needs to be said across screens. It needs to be pulled on screens behind airplanes. Whoever is on the Lord's side, come, come, come to me. It needs to be said again. Whoever, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? I believe if Christ came down right now, he would look at a church and he would say it out loud, whose side are you on? Yes, he would. And Moses draws a line in the sand. And he says, if you're on the Lord's side, come to me. He makes them make a decision. Who shall you serve? You see, it's these people that serve God as long as Joshua was alive. And as long as the elders that were alive with Joshua, but after Joshua and the elders had gone, they went about their own way and they served the gods that were inside of the promise God gave them. There's a lot of people in America today that are serving gods of this land. And we've learned how to do both at the same time. Yes, we have. We've learned how to raise our hands in worship, but raise our screens in self-indulgence. Yes, we have. I may never get asked to preach here again. I'm going to obey the Lord God this morning. We raise our hands and praise to God and our screens to our favorite, our favorite station, our favorite focus, our favorite me time. In fact, it's this generation that has coined the phrase, I need some me time. I promise you this is not a nose, but I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. I believe it's time for us to get back down on our knees and repent over some me time. Because when it's me time, it's no the time. And we need to get some the time instead of some me time back in the house of God. Thank you, Hadamoshe. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart... I've, I've laid in bed at night looking at my wife in the face while she's asleep going, God, you're going to have to help me. I don't even know how to love the woman beside me, much less love you the way I need to. Truth. You're like, Pastor, that is not okay. You've been married there for 28 years. You should be able to love her like it's, like it's second nature. you got to be kidding me. I live in such a sin-fallen world, and I've got to be honest with myself. God, if you don't help me to love my wife, if you don't help me to love my children, if you want to help me to love you, I'm going to self-destruct in the midst of a wicked, perverse, and horrid generation. 
look at someone else. We only have to go to the mirror ourselves. God said, they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Please forgive me if I'm preaching too fast. I'm making her fingers overwork this morning. Sorry. I'll buy you a steak. Just make sure we take care of her or something this morning. I don't want her to get carpal tunnel from this message. Thank God. She's used to it. Thank you. Please, Lord, give me grace. I know I need it. Jesus taught the people in John chapter 13, verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives me. Whoever receives Who I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 verse 23. If you're going to follow me. The first thing that you're going to have to adjust to is denying yourself. And that's something that our generation struggles with right now. I... I meet with people, have family worship center and other places, and they look at me like I got seven heads because we start talking about denying ourselves. And and that just seems like such a foreign concept in our day that we would have to deny ourselves. And that God would give us a cross. Have you ever just even imagined that God, when He gave us His Son, did not give His Son a sword, He gave Him a cross? He didn't give him a hammer, didn't give him a gavel, didn't give him a robe of a judge. He gave his son a cross. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's the requirement. Whose side are you on? You're like, Pastor, I'd have loved to have been a disciple of Jesus. Maybe not. I mean, I'm telling you what, Jesus actually required something of some people. Got up in their grill, had a real follow-up with somebody. Hey, how did it go yesterday? How did it go last night? We cast out demons. We stomped on devils. Jesus says, you might want to check yourself. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. How about we just come back together and give glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving to God rather than telling everybody what we just did? Maybe ministry is not about likes on Facebook. How many people have even buried this year who are in eternity? Who either I did what I should have done or I didn't. It weighs on me that somebody could sit and Family worship center and actually go to hell. I've got a request unto God and it's the request is this right here. When I get to heaven, what I want to be able to do is look at the Father and say, all that you've given me are with me. And I'm missing none. That I'm actually missing none. You know what would bless your pastor? Is that you would love God so much that when he got to heaven, he could just stand and look at the Father and say, Father, all that thou hast given me is right here with me and I have not lost any. That's what you want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Church, it's time to gather together, take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. But we got to choose which side we're on. Help me, Jesus. Whose side am I on today? The Bible says that hell is a place of choosing. Just like heaven is a place of choosing. Jesus says in the book of Mark chapter 9 verse 44 that hell is a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Luke 13 28 says it's a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. More in 2023, I've begged God to help me. Help me, God, please, Jesus. Please, God, please, Jesus, please. I'm, I'm, not even, I'm not kidding you. I get into this place where I just bend down and go, double C, God, Help me, Jesus, please, God. God, please, Jesus, help me. Please, God. Please, God, these people have, have eternity at stake here. God Almighty, please, Jesus. Have mercy on me, God, please, Jesus. They look at the way I'm living. They look at the way I'm talking. They look at the way I'm walking. They look at what I'm doing. God Almighty, please, Jesus, don't let me be a part of what would send anybody to hell because there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun or there's a heaven to gain or a, or a hell to gain and a heaven to shun. God Almighty has two choices and he makes them for no one. Every person that would ever choose a heaven or a hell has chosen it for themselves. But I made a decision. I made a decision when Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house. Or many mansions, if it were not so. How many have ever almost made a bad decision? You don't have to raise your hand. How I many here has ever almost made a bad decision? Don't raise your hand. Who's ever almost made a bad decision? Two Fridays ago, I'm sitting at my desk. I've got so much going on. I don't even know how to make it go left or right. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm plowing, I'm plowing, I'm plowing. And a woman calls me, and I don't want to take the phone call because I'm, I'm too busy doing what I'm doing. And the Holy Spirit said, pick it up. She said, Pastor, my aunt is between a couple hours and a couple days of dying, and she don't know Jesus. Could you come help? I'm telling you, I'm one decision from not picking up the phone. I'm telling you, I'm one decision from sending somebody to hell. We're a part of the most self-indulgent generation that we think our assignment, what we got to do, where we're at, what we're dealing with is greater than with what someone else is dealing with. And what we're doing at times is possibly sending someone to a devil's hell for eternity. She said, would you please come witness to my aunt? I said, my wife will be here at 6 o'clock, meet us in the parking lot. And I, I prayed, Pastor. I said, God, make this easier than tying my shoes. God, please, Jesus, make this easier than tying my shoes. We drove three miles to her house. When we got there, she was asleep. I said, wake her up. It didn't even sound nice. I just like, wake her up. She's going to go to hell if somebody don't wake her up. Wake her up. She was skin and bone. She hardly had any muscle left on her body. Cancer had eating, eaten her up. I said, Emma. Do you know Jesus? She said, no. I said, would you like to? She said, yes. Listen to me. By Sunday morning at 5.30 in the morning, she's dead in the heavens with God Almighty himself. She was just hours from going to heaven or hell. 
She was hours from going to heaven or hell. Pastor, we prayed for 15 seconds or less. It wasn't like some drawn out thing. I said, Emma, repeat this. She said, what did you say? I said, repeat this. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. She said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I said, ask him to come live in your heart. Tell him that you believe in him. 84 years old, one month from being 85, lived three miles from the church. You know what should burden every last one of us? Is that we walk out these doors and walk down the street and we live on this road that there's people making decisions every day to go to heaven or hell. And that's gospel. And I'm not being mean or hard. I'm not trying to be oppressive. I'll get out of the pulpit and let the pastor preach. I'm just simply trying to tell you sometimes we're so stuck on our idols that God cannot get our attention to win somebody to Christ around us. Can you actually fathom 6.9 million, 6.9 billion phones? One type of phone, an iPhone. Not all phones. 6.9 billion iPhones. Isn't it amazing that that phone starts with the word I? And the biggest issue ever had to begin with that made Satan fall like lightning from heaven started with the word I? Is anybody with me this morning? But I made my decision. I'm not going to hell. I've made my decision to go to a place where abortions are abolished and beatings and bullies are banned and cancer has already ceased and death has been deleted and earth's problems have been erased and failures are forgotten and grief is gone and hurt is halted and indifferences are interrupted and jails are jilted and killings are killed and lawlessness is liquidated. I'm going to a place where murders are missing and negatives are negated and oppressions are obsolete and problems are passed and quarrels are quieted and rights are removed and storms are stopped and tumors are terminated and unrest is unheard of and viciousness has vanished and Wars are wasted and x-rays are extended and yearnings are yesterday and there's zero bills and zero temptations and zero partings over there. I'm not going to a place called hell. You can choose heaven this morning. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Choose you this day. I asked God this week, Please just help me to obey and behave myself, and I still don't know how. But I've been in funerals where we had caskets that were that big. And I've been in funerals where people were literally viciously against God to their very last breath. My mom, a pastor's wife of 50 years, says, Son, I remember the day when I heard a guy that we'd been witnessing to and had rejected us and rejected us and rejected us. And she was a registered nurse. She said, I stood outside the door as they screamed, They're coming for me. Screaming, my feet are on fire. The demons are coming to yank me. And the family is weeping and saying, Save them. Do something to help them. Pastor, hell's a figurative idea. No, it's not. It's a real place that was only made for the devil and his demons. But too many people have chosen that way along the way. 
You could come to the altar this morning and pray one simple prayer. God, for the rest of my life, if all you ever want me to do is get one person to you, then God, I'll put my whole life in the focus of God's almighty hand with God's almighty grace if you'll just let me bring one person to heaven with me. That was just the introduction. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I'm treasured. I want you to say it like you've got attitude this morning. I'm treasured. You know what bothers me? Is some of our, some of our treasures tarnished. We let it marinate too far down in the soul and live too far in recessed places. And it's gotten divots and pivots in it. It's got rust and just nasty junk on it. It's got stuff caked all around it. It doesn't mean it's lost its value. It's just lost its place. Write that down, Jamie. God's going to speak to me right there. We haven't lost the treasure. We've lost our place. We haven't lost our treasure. We've lost our place. Listen to me very quickly. The reason that God is coming for you because God himself is a thief. You're like, Pastor, get out of the pulpit now. The Jesus I serve is not a thief. In fact, the Bible talks about Jesus being a thief over and over and over. He's a thief that loves his treasure. The Bible says in Psalms 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. Make no mistake, if you know Jesus or you don't, you belong to him. But he treasures people that choose him. Every time you choose Jesus, you're actually reciprocating love because he first chose you. You never came to Christ. He came and got you. And every time you choose him, you're reflecting the image of his love back to him. Lord, have mercy. So as owner, he owns you. As buyer, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit with your gods. Not only does he own you, he bought you. The price of his own precious blood. But not only does he buy you and own you, he desires to collect you. The Bible says in Revelation 21 verse 21. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the streets of the city was pure gold as transparent glass. Listen very closely. If God will make pearl gates, the gates are so huge and only one pearl on each gate. If God will swing heaven's gates open for you on things that would make the jaws drop of a human being, how much more does he love your heart? How much more has he saved your soul? How much more has he invested his life into yours? He's bought you. He owns you. He desires to collect you. But listen very clearly. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. Listen to what the Word of God says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. Be watchful and strengthen these things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. The best thing that you can hear this morning from my mouth is that God has not found your works perfect, but He's given you room to make it right. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know the hour which I come upon you. 
You see, in these days that you and I are living, there's an almighty God that loves you as a treasure. But he spends Revelation chapter 2 and 3 saying, Watch, behold, I come quickly. I stand at the door and I knock. What door? It's the door of your heart. And the thief, Jesus Christ himself, is coming to snatch away the bride just in the nick of time. Listen closely. If the rapture happens and you don't go, you'll be here. This church will be empty, but you'll come. The pastor won't be here, but you'll come. The worship team won't be singing, but you'll come. You see, all my life I believe that people couldn't get saved after the rapture, but I believe that God left his spirit in the earth even through the tribulation. And there will be those that will give themselves even in martyrdom to the very end. And you just go ahead and work out your own last day theology the way that you need to, and you can clean all that up, Pastor. But I'm here to tell you that the church will be full when the rapture takes place. Why? Because God is coming to get a treasure. I worked in a testing laboratory for years and we worked on getting those things that were right broken so we could put them back together again better. And we put things in fire and we put things in, 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 in chemicals and got stuff off that shouldn't be able to get off. And I'm here to tell you that when you have tarnish on God's treasure, God sometimes puts you in a process that gets the old junk off of you so he can get the right stuff inside of you. And we don't like the process, but God is not in the dirty treasure. Y'all looking at me like I got four heads right now. We don't like the process of God. We don't like God working on us. We don't like God taking us through a test or a valley or putting us inside of a crucible and turning up the fire. But listen to me closely. God perfects that which concerns him. And he'll perfect that which concerns you. And he'll do that even as by fire if that's what it takes. If I asked you to raise your hands if you loved being tested by the Lord... <laughs> we would all run out the building because we don't like it. And I understand it. God didn't say, lead us not into test. He said, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. The thief actually comes to deliver you from evil by how he's purifying the treasure he placed in you the day you got saved. What's the treasure, pastor? It's the person of the Holy Spirit that's at work in your heart, knocking on your heart's door, even now asking the question, whose side are you on? Oh, we'll get it fast. We'll bump it up. Not only am I a treasure, number two, I'm assessed. Everybody say the word assessed. You're assessed because you're possessed. You're assessed because you're possessed. Whose possession are you? You're the possession of the king. And the king is always inspecting that which belongs to him. Why? Because he wants maximum value over the investment that he made the day he purchased your soul from a devil's hell. Okay. John chapter 1 verse 3 says all things, that means you and I. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord examines us. I want you to say it with some attitude this morning. The Lord examines us. It doesn't matter to him if I'm male or female. It doesn't matter to him if I'm young or old. It matters to him what's on the inside because that's the purchased possession of the king. Zechariah chapter 13 verse 9. I will bring one third through the fire. 
will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my I'm not concerned about what I do with this while I'm in church. What the Lord is concerned about is what I do with this outside of church. Pastor, if you keep throwing, it's going to break. Most of us can have victory even over a cell phone in service. But what do we do with the other? Six days and 40, some whatever. Six days and 23 hours. What do we do? What do we do? And the Lord is making an assessment. You know what's amazing is that we started having fast, what we call fast from media. And people walked up to me and said, Pastor, that's actually more of a fast than I've ever had in my life. And that you called a media fast. They're like, I didn't even know what to do. I didn't even know I had that much time. I did. How many has ever said, please don't raise your hand, I don't feel like I have any time? Just call a media fast. And you'll be, it's not like it all just rushes back to you. Oh, pastor, you're meddling right now. No, I'm actually just talking about where we're living. And truly, the king is assessing. And a lot of what he finds is that when he gets to his people, they're so distracted, they don't even know he's present. So he has to lead them into a place where he can get their attention. And I really hate it when I'm so distracted that God has to really push me into a place and get my attention by saying something or doing something that really stops me. Yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has been built endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Even after we leave here, our works that have gone before us are tested before us. And pastor, I know that when I stand before God, there's going to be some things that burn. I've even been taking some time to ask God to forgive me because I know the day's coming. And I said, Lord, I, I've got some things that has gone before me and they've come up before you and I know they're not right. I was distracted. I was pulled in a wrong direction. You're like, Pastor, are you living one way outside of here and living another way inside of here? Listen very closely. I don't know that there's any person I've ever seen that's not a hypocrite. It means we profess one thing but we do another. Oh, Pastor, you're in blatant sin. Listen to me, when I am not allowing the king who bought me at a price to make the agenda of my life, I'm fighting against the one that owns me, bought me, collects me, possesses me. And yes, sometimes I've been in direct conflict with God. It's quieter than Episcopalian church. Oh, it's quiet. It's quiet up in here. I've had people look at me and say, Pastor, don't, don't say stuff like that because we're just thinking about what you're saying. I know. God's trying to get a hold of us as pastors just as much as he's trying to get a hold of us as parishioners. God, judgment shall start first in the house of God. 
So don't look at the White House. Look at your house. Oh, yes, God. You see, the Bible says that in the last days there's a great falling away. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 5 says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. People will be lovers of themselves. They'll be headstrong. They'll be proud. They'll be lacking self-control. And from these people who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, make sure you stay away from such people. Pastor, we're supposed to love everybody. You're right, but there's some people. It didn't say people that are sinners. It said people that act like saints that are not. You're supposed to hang out with sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. But he really set some people straight who were supposed to be his, but he knew they weren't. They rolled near to me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. Please note that in these days of artificial intelligence and self-indulgence, the world right now called America is in great deception. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Do you know that God just said that an evil heart is the heart of unbelief? Did, did we get that one on the screen? If we did, it's okay. God says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 11 and 12 that an evil heart of unbelief, a heart of unbelief is that which is wicked and evil. And God is looking for a church that comes back before him whose heart is pure, whose raiment is white. He said, but I exhort each one of you daily while it is called today, do not harden your heart. Do not get so much preaching. Don't get so much teaching. Don't get so much I've got to go do something else that you harden your heart to the word of God. The worst condition of the American church is that we've heard so much gospel that it doesn't move us anymore. To be gospel hardened is the worst state that a person can ever know. I would much rather talk to somebody that knows Jesus, not at all, than someone knows it all and you can't convince them that he's the king. If you never see me again, Only got one more thing to say. Number three, I will be taken. I've made a decision. I'm his treasure, and I give the Holy Ghost full permission to assess me because the king wants maximum value. But I've made up my mind, saints. I've made up my mind. I've been a pastor's son, and I'm a pastor. I've run from the calling of God. I know what it's like to get saved at the age of eight and have God to, to get you in a head-on car wreck at age 19 to get your attention. I know what it's like to run with all my heart the wrong way. I know what it's like to be put back together with screws right now so I can walk. I know what it's like to have God just have to really get your attention real hard because you're so rebellious at heart. You draw near to him with your mouth, but your heart is far from him. Don't, I'm not preaching something I don't know. I'm talking about something I've lived. But I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. I'd rather give up my pulpit.
I'd rather look like a failure to everybody. I'd rather not have applause of any person around me or not be known by man if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection of the dead. I've made up my mind, Pastor. It's not about standing on stages. It's about bending my knee before an almighty God and say, God, whatever you do, please don't let me be deceived in this lost and wicked generation. Don't let me get like Jonah where I think I can pick and choose my assignments and do whatever I think I want to do because there's an anointing on my life. Listen to me. God gave the anointing. He can take it away. I've made up my mind. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I've made up my mind, ain't nothing in this world worth me risking the loss of my soul, my wife, or my children. There's nothing that I know of worse making my bed in hell, wishing I was in heaven. Matthew 24 says two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other will be left. Watch therefore, you do not know the hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in a moment when you least expect it. Revelation chapter 16 verse 10 says that the kingdom of darkness will be plunged into darkness Men will gnaw their tongues in agony and curse God of heaven because of their pain and their sores. But they will refuse to repent of what they've done. You see, a wicked heart of unbelief will curse God even from a place of hell. Somebody will come to the piano. I'll quit preaching. He knows that God can speak to you anywhere he wants to. Wasn't too long ago, Pastor, I was, I was standing in my bathroom in my house, and I've got Sports Center on my phone, and I'm shaving. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Why is that so important to you? And I turned it off. And I deleted the app from my phone only to put it back on two weeks later. Deleted the app from my phone that was stealing my attention from God only to put it back on my phone two weeks later. Get down on my knees and I'm saying, God, I don't feel you at all. Would you please help me? And he says... Just listen to me. I'm already telling you what to do. You see, God's placing us in a time in his kingdom if we don't draw near the cross and forsake our idols. I've had people say, Pastor, I've been trying to call you all day. You're right. I'm not even picking up my phone. Hey, Pastor, I've texted you all day long. Why didn't you answer my text? Because God's dealing with me. My life got so connected to an idol that it became my identity. 
And people would walk up to me and say, I'm sorry to bother you, you're a very busy man. No. My calling is to God and to you way before it ever is to have the image of being busy. And sometimes it's our idols that makes us look busy and feel pushed. Some of us will wake up in the middle of the night and check our phone. Some of us, it's the last thing that we look at before we go to sleep. And it's the first thing we check when we wake up. If anybody knows that I've been here today, it's because somebody else will post it. Because I've gotten very convicted about trying to get likes off of ministry. It's me. Please do whatever God's having you do. Like, Pastor, that'll grow a church if you get more likes. Well, then the Lord's going to have to get somebody around me that does that with a pure heart. Because sometimes I don't have a pure heart about it. And I got members sitting on the second road right here listening to this whole sermon. But I'll be just as honest at Family Worship Center as I'll be sitting right here. And I've made up my mind. I don't even care if my idol costs $1,500. Isn't that amazing how cell phones cost a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars. And we would never say with our mouths that these things are idols. But I wonder what the Lord says. Pastor, you saying I can never watch another ball game? I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm talking about position of heart that determines condition of heart. Position that determines condition. And the Lord's asked us one question this morning whose side? Are you on? Would you stand? Thanks, Anthony. Anthony and I were hanging out yesterday. He said, I asked him if he plays for the altar. He says, if I need to, I'm glad he's already up there because he needs to. Thank you for being obedient, Anthony. If God is dealing with your heart this morning, the altar calls this. Choose you this day who you'll serve. Like, Pastor, I got saved a long time ago. I understand. I did too. But what I noticed is that I was walking through wilderness and I picked up some of the wilderness as I walked through it. And I believe there's some promises that God has for me and I'm getting ready to cross the Jordan but God won't let the wilderness go across the Jordan. And I don't want the wilderness to keep me on the other side of what God has for me. Is anybody with me this morning? I don't, I don't want the wilderness to keep me from the promises that God has made to me. My Bible says that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. But the key of it is I need to remain in Christ just as He remains in me. And there's some things that I've found out that he won't settle for. Pastor Jamie, come up quick. Just, just come up right quick, and I'll let you get back off right quick. Before I met this girl, I had some chicks on the side. But when she came in my life, girlfriend doesn't love all chicks on the side. She has no... She has no room for chicks on the side. 
none. Girl, take her earrings off. She might look all cute and stuff, but she'll get down right where she needs to be. And if my wife is that possessive of my heart, and she should be, how much more does the king long for me and look for me? Leave the 99 and come back for me. Get me into a place where it's he and he alone. Because he loves me. Because he gave himself for me. You see, you might be the oldest saint in this house. You might have been saved for longer than I've been alive. But I'm here to tell you that God is knocking on heart's doors in this house today. Say, Pastor, how do I know that? Because I know when God's moving in the hearts of people. Now, I understand you probably need to go already and get something to eat and all that good stuff. But I want you to take just a few more minutes. To come up to the front here and make an altar. Just, just find the front row. Come, come and stand. Kneel at, the, kneel at your seat. Whatever God is doing, I beg you right now, do not leave this moment where God is stirring your heart. And a lot of times... We're so good at closing our eyes, bowing our heads, and hiding behind a decision. I believe God wants you to walk right for Him right now. I want you to get out of your seat right now. If God is pecking on your heart's door, if God is moving in your heart today, get out from where you are. Come. Come. Just kneel in His presence for a moment. Say, God, I'm distracted and I'm sorry. Lord, I, I've got some things in my life and I didn't even think it was crowding you out. But God, I repent today and I turn this over to you. And I'm asking that you would cleanse me and deliver me and forgive me and help me by your spirit today. There's more. I know there's more. There's more. I know there's more. Don't, don't, don't harden your heart. Don't just say it was a good sermon today. If it's you, step, I beg you by the mercies of God, step out from where you are. Make the moment of coming forward. Believe God in this moment. Believe God in this moment. Ask God to turn it all around in your heart. To forgive you today. To cleanse you today. If there's an altar team that's usually praying for people, just come. Come begin to lay your hands of faith on people. Come begin to pray.